Welcome, folks, to episode 23 of the City of Champions podcast. This is your co-host, Edgar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Eugene, to talk about all things Dodgers, all things Lakers. So, Gene, tell me what you think about the uh, the sweep over in Arizona. Um, it was just good to see the team take care of business, man. We were really looking forward to that sweep, and uh, they went in there and took care of that. Um, great outings, uh, game one and game two by uh, Bauer and Bueller. Uh, Bueller had that no hitter going for seven innings. You know, kind of sucks for him not to to pull it out, but you know, he still had a great uh, great start. So, great starts by them. And then uh, we go to that third game, and the bullpen makes it extremely interesting. But, you know, Kenley Jansen held it down, picking up two saves during that series. So, um, you know, I'm just happy we, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just happy we got the sweep. I'm happy we got in there and got out. Two of our top pitchers had good starts. You know, overall, I would say good series, man. What are some of your thoughts? Game three was pretty wild. Um, You said it was actually sent down today. You got you got to go, bro. (laughs) Yeah. you can't be allowing five five runs as a as a reliever. You've got to do your best to mitigate the damage. That's way too many. I know it happens, but you know your job is to go in there and hold. And he didn't do that, so it is what it is. It happens. Um, overall, though, pretty happy about the uh, about the starts, the starters. Bauer, he'd been looking pretty off, you know, the past few weeks. So strong bounce back start from him. But the more interesting topic. To, you know, really dive into is Tony Gonsolin. What are your thoughts on Gonsolin, his short outings, and overall how he fits into the rotation? It's interesting to be in this situation, man. Uh, if you think back to like our first couple of pods, we talked about the upcoming season and how the Dodgers had this crazy depth, right? Because they had, you know, Dustin May, they had Gonsolin, they had David Price, they had Josiah Gray waiting in the wings. This had all these capable starting pitchers and now it feels like we don't have enough and we're kind of putting a lot of our um, hopes in Gonsolin that he'll be able to to come in and really just fit in as that fifth starter but we haven't been able to see that you know he goes down with an, an injury ver- very early in the season really before he can ever pitch I believe it was that first series against Colorado where he was sent on the IL then you know he has to work his way back up he had a couple short maybe three short starts in AAA the Dodgers call him up and he hasn't really been able to give us any type of length with his starts. Uh, I believe all of them are hovering around, I think, at max three innings. Um, but the more concerning thing for me was the fact that his previous start, he was in the 80s with his pitch count. And this start, he was in the 40s with his pitch count. And word is that he has some shoulder stuff going on. And we know he went to the IL for that. So it's just, is he healthy? Is he not healthy? You know, like, because... We need a we need a consistent we need a consistent fifth starter, and if he's not going to be it, then Andrew Freeman needs to get on the phones and start working the phones and see if he can find us a, a veteran uh, starting pitcher who can just eat innings. You know, someone who's proven to be able to go out there and give you five, six, seven innings every start. You know, and, and I don't think Gonsolin is going to be that. 
Um, if he's not ready to go as a starter, just throw him in the bullpen. We've already seen, right? We've had issues with some of these AAA pitchers in the bullpen. Throw Gonsolin in there, someone who can give you one to two, three innings. You know, like imagine Gonsolin in the role of um, the role of you know the the third game against Arizona, where he's the one coming out of the pen instead of uh, Uceda, uh, and he's coming out of the pen and he's throwing like two to three innings to close the game. You know, something like that. I see, I see him in a role like that. If his shoulder's not good, if he's not ready to be stretched out to be a true starter, um, and I really think. The Dodgers need, honestly, more than just one veteran starter. I think they might need to look for two because I'm I'm a bit concerned that some of our pitchers are going to struggle down the stretch. Um, and this is a conversation a lot of people were having earlier in the season where we're coming off a 60-game season, and now we're going back to 162 games. So last year, most pitchers threw maybe, what, a third of their normal innings, and now we're asking them to go back to their regular inning count. So... Those are just some of my thoughts. I think you'll you'll see. Um, I think you'll see the Dodgers look to make some moves, man. Well, how are you feeling about Gonsolin? You know, my biggest criticism has always been how they sort of eased them through uh, three starts, right? At the uh, in the lower leagues. Yeah, short starts. Yeah, so I don't see the point in easing him in in the lower leagues, only to bring him up to the big leagues and then ease him in some more, right? I wish they just brought him up, brought him in, and then came to a quicker realization that, hey, this isn't going to work out. Let's find some longer-term backup options. Let's go see what we can find. But it just seems like they delayed the inevitable, and now we're in the same situation we were a few months ago. So they need to go out, they need to shop, they need to get someone who's reliable and not someone who's coming off a big injury or is available for a low price. We need to get someone who, at the very least, we know will give us innings. We'll see how that goes. But the more interesting hot topic is the sticky stuff situation, which just keeps on developing and getting bigger and growing, right? And today, for the first time, we saw the umpires checking the uh, pitchers. How do you feel about this? It's just weird, like you said, man, <laughs> that these, I mean, at least they're doing it as the pitchers are coming uh, off the mound, you know, in between innings. So I guess that's good because it doesn't slow down the game. But it's just, I guess it's just weird to see because we've never seen it before. And it'll be, I guess, become normal with, you know, with time. But it was definitely weird. Um, you know, I initially saw DeGrom be the first one. That's the first video I saw on Twitter. I was like, damn, that shit is weird, man. It's like it's like pitches are going through TSA or something, man. Like checking his belt, checking his hat, checking his glove. And it's just um I'm honestly like so it's weird, one, but two, I'm just curious to see like if um anyone gets busted. And then I'm also curious to see kind of how this changes, you know, pitching and you know, pitcher stats moving forward. And, you know, do we see like offenses start to pop off again? So it's just weird, man. You, you know, I, I think we both have similar thoughts where we kind of think it's dumb that MLB is kind of, you know, enforcing this rule in the middle of the season. But, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It felt awkward for me personally. It just, it doesn't really fit into the game. It Again, I, I don't like it. I don't like that they're adding it mid-season. I don't like that they're even making this an issue where it shouldn't be an issue. I feel like it's just going to complicate things a lot more. Certain stuff should be illegal, but for the most part, you know, give them something to, you know, grip the ball with. Weather is different from city to city. 
you don't know what one pitcher might feel versus another pitcher, right? When when it's cold and your hands are numb, it's a lot harder to grip, grip a ball. When you're out here in LA or San Diego, it's warmer, right? So it's going to be less of a problem. But again, because you deal with different environments, you deal with different temperatures, this is not something that I think should be transparent, black and white. There should be some distinctions between what's allowed and what's not allowed. And it should be done in the off season, not in the middle of the season. What are you going to do, right? If this is what it's going to be, then it better be this moving forward. I don't want to see, like, my whole issue, you know, with with Major League Baseball, and we've discussed this, is they, they just flip and flop, man. They flip and flop too much. It's Every year is like a new rule, or they're enforcing this, or they're not enforcing that. They're changing the baseballs. This and that, man. Just leave the game alone. And if this is going to be the rule, then just enforce it. And I'm good. Like, but this better be what's going to be happening moving forward for the rest of baseball until they change the rule or something. I just don't want to see all of a sudden they're going to just forget about it because home runs are down and viewership is down, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just, I don't like that about baseball. So, I mean, I'm cool with it. Whatever. We're going to check players. Cool. It'll get normal and we'll just move forward. It is what it is. We'll leave it at that. But we've got the All-Star weekend coming up, All-Star break coming up. Yeah. Who do you think on the Dodgers should be an All-Star? All right, so um, so I have a couple. I feel like there's a couple of fringe all-stars, and I think there's a couple locks. So I'm going to give you my locks first. I think the locks, I have three locks that come from the pitching staff. I got Bueller, I got Bauer, and I have Kenley Jansen, our boy. Um, he's having a great season if you look at his numbers. So those are my three locks um, from the pitching staff, and then a couple like fringe all-stars. I know everyone's pushing for Chris uh, Chris Taylor, um, but you know, to me, he's kind of a fringe All Star because if you look at his numbers, they're not really that you know as far as like rankings in you know baseball or in the National League at least, they're not at the top. He's very like middle of the pack, you know, and so to me, he's kind of a fringe All Star. I think really his value is the fact that he's so versatile. So to me, he's a fringe all-star. Uh, Mookie Betts is not having an all-star season, but you know, popularity, he'll get his votes. Uh, Justin Turner, same thing. I don't see him passing up Chris Bryant, but he'll get his votes. Uh, and to me, the other lock is uh, Max Muncy. Um, I think Max Muncy is a lock to be an all-star as well. Um, just, you know, really killing it for us this season. As long as he's healthy, he should be an all-star and should be a starter. Um, and then I have one more player who I think is a fringe all-star, uh, and that's uh, Will Smith. Uh, I think the only thing keeping him from being an all-star is that he doesn't get enough starts. So, so I'll, I'll go again with my with my locks: Bauer, Bueller, Jansen, Muncy, with you know Taylor, Mookie, Turner, um, yeah, and, and Smith being fringe all-stars. Uh, what about you, man? Who 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 do you see as all-stars for the Dodgers this season? Oh boy, uh, are we? They're still on the rule where Dave Roberts should be the uh, manager, right? Yeah, I believe he's the manager. Okay, if that's the case, and yeah, I think the French All-Stars are going to make it. Unless he's being a huge dick, I don't see why Chris Taylor would make it with his numbers. You know, especially uh, OBP, things like that. He gets it done, and I mean, no one else watches him closer than uh, than Dave Roberts. I can't imagine it not happening. But I mean, outside of that, I mostly agree with your picks. I think they're, they're, they're spot on. I kind of wish um, Matt Beatty had a full-time role because I think he would be pretty close to that. To throw it out there, yes, 27 RBIs, which is not far from the top as far as uh, leaders, right? I think he's like top five on the team, and he gets like half of the at-bats. Outside of that, you've got Seager injured. 
Ballinger injured. Not going to see those guys get uh, get the nod. Kershaw, you never know. Maybe he has a strong couple outings, gets his Yari closer to the three spot. And Dave Roberts picks him, right? It could happen. I could see it. He's not doing terrible. He's had a few bad starts, which, again, can be compounded to a few bad innings. Overall, he's been really great. Maybe he sees that part of it and spares him, right? So it'll definitely be interesting to see. We'll see what happens with that. Anything else you'd like to add as far as the Dodgers? Anything you think uh, we should address? Well, you know, uh, uh, something I did want to discuss is we got the, uh, before we we move on from the Dodgers, is we have the San Diego series. Um, So, you know, uh, people want to say it's a new rivalry and whatnot, but it's definitely an entertaining series, uh, very competitive, a lot of energy. Um, how are you feeling, man? You, you've been one to um, harp on the fact that we haven't played any, you know, quality opponents, and now we have uh, San Diego, Chicago, and San Francisco. So, how are you feeling about this upcoming series with with San Diego? Are you looking for the Dodgers to make a statement? Not really. And the reason why is because what we're going to have Bellinger out, we're going to have Max Muncie out. So, no, not really. Again. These are two of our uh, best players, best hitters. You know that San Diego is going to come out like it's a World Series, like they always do against the Dodgers. You know the Dodgers aren't necessarily that, you know, apt about it or have that much motivation going into it, right? We've won the World Series. We're defending champions. We have nothing to prove to anyone. So it's a different kind of intensity than you uh, would get from like a playoff uh, game. It'll still be entertaining. I think this, you know, the guys still want to win, but again, the uh, energy is, it's just not going to match up. So I think the Dodgers will take two out of three. I think we might struggle the first game Darvish against, uh, uh, Julio. So I'll give him that game, but you know, we got Kershaw and we got Bueller. No Bauer coming up, right? Yeah. So I'm going to give them those games. I think, uh, I think we'll take it, man. I'm not. I'm not too worried. Um, how about you? What are your uh, predictions on that? I mean, I kind of feel you. What you're you've been saying on the pod for quite a while that we haven't really played quality opponents. Um, you know, the Phillies. I feel like were were a quality opponent. You know, because they were streaking before they they came to LA. Um, but you know, it's for me, it's one a good good uh, good chance to see where we're at with some quality competition because San Diego has really good pitching. Two, it's on the road, so that makes it tougher. And um, it's a chance to, you know, push San Diego further uh, further down in the standings and, you know, talk shit to their fans. So that's always fun. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd like to – I agree with you. I think we take two of three. Um, so it'd be nice to, you know, take the series in San Diego. Then I, I'd like us just to take the – you know, you always want to win the series. But really, you know, this this run, we've been talking about this end of June run where we have San Diego, Chicago, San Francisco. So I'd really like to, us to show, you know, show up and, and show out. And but you know as you mentioned we do have some injuries. Um, I I was reading today I believe uh, Muncie is going to get activated uh, tomorrow, and then Bellinger Wednesday. So it looks like we should be getting to full strength here pretty soon. You know hopefully we can continue uh, talking smack and showing the uh, Padres fans because that never gets old. Um, but let's switch over to the Lakers side. Rumors going on. Porzingis coming to the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see after this break.
All right, City of Champion podcast listeners, it's time to talk about your Los Angeles Lakers. And uh, for the next couple of weeks, we'll just be discussing uh, different positions on the roster and, you know, some free agent targets that we'd like to target and fill those positions with. And today we're going to talk about bigs. So centers, uh, people at the center position who we think the Lakers should target. And so before we look at free agents, just, you know, looking at some of our own free agents, so, um, or, or centers that we have on the roster. So we still have Marcus all on the roster for next year at 2.6 million. Um, and so Edgar, I, I want to start with Gasol after the season he had, you know, I know you weren't a big fan of how he played against Phoenix. How are you feeling about Gasol? Do you keep him on the roster? You know, fairly low salary, just a little bit above the veteran minimum, if not the veteran minimum, um, or are you looking to trade him? Are you looking to, you know, buy him out, wave him, whatever? So just tell me about your thoughts on Gasol real quick. I think he gets traded. I think he's going to be one of the guys that gets packaged up in one of the trades, hopefully for Bradley Beal. But I think he gets traded. I don't think we... Okay, so my thing with Gasol is, yes, he's a he's smart center. He knows how to pass. He knows what he wants to do before he even gets the ball, right? He's already identified the guy he wants to pass to, which means he can move the ball a lot quicker and the offense just flows more, uh, you know, fluid. But my biggest beef with Gasol is he's a defensive liability. And I'm not saying he can't, you know, D up a guy when he's trying to, you know, when, you know, another guy's trying to back him down. I mean, he's very slow, Around the floor, and so that has its um, its negative aspects, right? He rotates slower. He gets back up the floor slower. He just isn't the versatile type of center that we need. He isn't going to get you blocks. He isn't going to get you um, steals. He isn't going to run down balls for you. He's just not going to do the things that you need a center to do, right? Especially on a team with so many stars. Like we need a scrappy type of guy that isn't afraid to get dirty. And I just don't think Gasol is that guy. And yeah, I mean, that's basically how I feel about him. I I hear you. Um, I'd be okay with Gasol to stay on the roster. He just has to understand his role. Like, you're, you're not getting 30 minutes a game. You might not even get 20, 25 minutes a game. You might just get 10 to 15. And he has to be okay with that. And I don't, you know, kind of some of the comments he's made, you know, during this season and, you know, um, at the end of the season, I don't know that he'd be comfortable with that role. So, um, but if he is, you know, then I keep him because I am not in favor of spending big money at the center position at all. I feel like that's a position we need to, we already have one center in Gasol. I think we need one more and you, you fill it with a veteran minimum guy, a veteran minimum type guy, or maybe a guy you give a little bit more than the veteran minimum. Maybe you give him a little bit of the taxpayer mid-level exception, but you know, looking at our cap situation, um, we don't have a lot of money to offer free agents. The the biggest exception we have is the taxpayers mid level exception, which is five like five point eight million. So n- not a lot of players going to be wanting to come for that. So we have to use it very wisely. And so so for that reason, I feel like the center position is somewhere we can we can save money because we already have Gasol, and I think we just need another center that can give us like 15, 20 minutes with Gasol fifteen twenty minutes, and then AD picks up the rest of the minutes um, at the five. So. Let's talk about the other center we had on the roster this season. Um, Andre Drummond. 
how are you feeling about Andre Drummond, man? Um, are you thinking? Uh, are you thinking he comes back? Um, I know a lot of people have been posting his um, Instagram comments where someone told him to come back for the vet minimum. He said, "Are you drunk?" <laughs> so, um, what what are you thinking about Drummond, man? Um, are you feeling like he's someone you want back on the roster, or is it something where it's just like it has to be the right price? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it depends a lot on the situation, on who we, who we've already acquired what we need and how much he's asking for. Right. Because again, he is a returning player, so we can use him. Uh, he, he, he doesn't count against our uh, hard uh, cap, which gives us more flexibility. Right. But at the same time, how much does he want? He's not going to get a lot. I wouldn't give him a lot. So what's a lot? So, so, so define that for us. Like what, when you say, I'm not going to give him a lot. Like you would not offer him a lot of money to you. Where do you see his value? And, and, and so to clarify what you said, he actually does count against our cap. Reason for it is because we don't own his rights because he was a buyout candidate. So we don't own, oh. we don't own his rights like Caruso. Damn. We don't own his rights like THT. We don't own his rights like Schroeder, you know, because he was a buyout candidate. So he does count against, um, our cap. So the only way I feel the Lakers could resign him is to give him the taxpayer mid level, which is like about 5.8, or we don't pay the tax and we give him the full mid level, which I think is like a little bit less than 10 million. So do you feel like he's worth that value? You know, looking at the Lakers cap situation, do you see him as a player who gets that full 5.8 or, you know, even more to that almost like 10 million mark? No, I give him five. That taxpayer mid-level? You give him the taxpayer mid-level, okay. Yeah, but again, I'm not crying if he leaves. Not a big deal. Give it to someone else, someone better. So, I mean, yeah, I just don't... It depends on the situation. We'll see what happens with that. Who do we have on the team? Do we have space? It just He's not a priority, and that's really what it yeah. is. I agree with you, man. Um, and so, so I agree. Like, I don't feel like he should be a priority. Um, but if we had the money, I, I think I'd pay him. If we had the money, I think I'd give him, you know, maybe like seven million a year, eight million a year, if we had the money. But we don't. The cap situation is a very tight one. So, like I said, I feel like the center position is somewhere we can save money because we already have Gasol on the roster, who's a serviceable big man. He might struggle in the playoffs, but he's still serviceable. And I feel like you can get another big man, another center, you know, for the vet men possibly to fill in those center minutes. Um, and also, you got to also, like, look at the reality of the situation. Do you think Drummond signs for even the 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 for even the taxpayer mid-level? Like, do you think he signs for 5.8 per season? I don't think so, bro. He's coming off a $27 million contract. So, I, when people tell money. him to take the... Yeah, and when people... And he's young. He's not old yet. He shouldn't be, you know, he shouldn't be settling for veteran minimum contracts. Not yet. You know, maybe the taxpayer mid-level or maybe just a full mid-level at that $9 million. Um, And he's still young. He still has value. Still good on, the, on you know, still good rebounder. Still a pretty good defender. I just, for what the Lakers need and what we could do and like our resources, I just don't think he'd be the best, you know, the best way for us to spend our money. So, um, 
so yeah, so I, I think I, I think I'm inclined to let Drummond walk unless he wants to come for the vet minimum, vet minimum or vet minimum plus some because you could split up that taxpayer mid level so that 5.8. Let's say he's like, yeah, I'll come for you know, I'll come for three million, four million. Then I'm like, okay, I, I can do that. Um, I can get down with that. Um, I'm just not gonna give him the full taxpayer mid level because uh, we need that to sign other players. So, but for whatever reason, let's say Drummond walks let's say Gasol's like trade me or I'm gonna retire so the Lakers don't have any centers or let's say they keep one of these two um I outlined some other centers um some other centers I'd like the Lakers to target I just want your thoughts on some of these names all right so uh first one I'm gonna start off with is uh one of our uh Laker former Laker former uh friend of the team Dwight Howard so Dwight Howard, um, you know, interesting free agent um, offseason for him. Seemed like the Lakers had locked him up and then something happened and then he dipped and went to Philadelphia. Still serviceable, backup big, you know, can give you 15, 15, 17 minutes a night. You know what you're going to get from him. Physicality, rebounding, um, still pretty athletic, man, for his age. Uh, lob threat consistently, really good finisher at the rim good screen setter. So he brings a lot of good things. And I thought he was great when he was on the Lakers. Um, I know you're a big fan of him in that Denver Nuggets series when he was bodying up Jokic and getting in his head. Um, I was a big fan of him also. Um, so what are your thoughts on Dwight Howard, bro? Would you be cool with bringing him back? I'd bring him back. I like his skills today. I like what he brings. I like, again, what you said about getting in other players' heads. Someone who could have really helped us in a series against the uh, the Suns, right? So I definitely bring him back. Whether or not he wants to come back after what happened last year, that's a whole different story. And because of that, I just don't think he would be able to, or he would be willing to do it. Um, but you never know. Again, shot blocker finishes at the rim and gets in people's heads. He's strong. He's not going to get bullied. But again, I think we have those two big hurdles of, uh, you know, does he does he want to come back? Yeah, that's a great question. Does he want to come back? He might feel like dogged by the Lakers for everything that went down. But um, you brought up that he would have really helped us in the Sun Series, and I agree, man. He's still fairly athletic, can slide his feet pretty well, so he, he guards the pick and roll really well. Uh, could have bodied up Aiton, um, could have matched Aiton's athletic ability. Um, I think that's where Gasol struggled. They kept you know um, attacking him in the pick and roll. So I definitely think. Um, when we're thinking about bigs, we definitely have to target bigs that are at least fairly mobile, fairly athletic, and could defend the pick and roll. And just looking at Howard's uh, season, you know, from the ball index, looking at wins added, he was a 2.2. And to provide perspective, Drummond was a 2.6 in wins added, and Gasol was a 2.5 in wins added. So not too far behind for Dwight Howard. So I think we'd get very similar production and impact as we got from Gasol and uh and Drummond and Dwight Howard and I think he's someone who would come for the veteran minimum so um I think he'd be a great pickup um if we can't if Gasol stays I think Howard would be a great replacement for Drummond and if Gasol leaves and we resign Drummond I think Gasol would be a great backup for Drummond um either way I'm a big Howard fan and I think he's number one on my list if we we don't keep Gasol or Drummond Howard's number one man all right uh another Big, I want to take a look at. Let's go to. All right. So I want to go to. Um, I want to talk about Kelly Olinick. 
Um, I feel like many people are not a big fan of Kelly, uh, Kelly Olenek, but he had a pretty good season um, between his time in Miami and his time in, in Houston. Um, you know, what really uh, popped out to me were his um, his his impact, the impact data on B-Ball Index. Um, offensively, he was a, a 0.8, you know, and if you look at Drummond and Gasol, they were both negative one. Uh, defensively, where I thought he would have a major drop-off, he was a 1.4, so, you know, Drummond was a 2.1 and Gasol was a 2.7, so he's not too too bad um, defensively. Wins added, he was at a 6, and, and Drummond and Gasol were at the 2 range, so he had a huge impact uh, this season. Um, uh, and one thing he does bring, and I remember this from the finals, Kelly Olenek is a very good spot-up shooter from the three-point line. So I think he'd bring value in stretching out the floor. Um, you know, his uh, catch-and-shoot three-point percent is 38%. Uh, Gasol is at 37%. So again, you get a big who can open up the floor and shoot it. Um, he's going to be a free agent. He's coming off his last uh, last season of his contract where he was making $12.8 million and, uh, in Houston. And so I think he'd be an interesting look. Would he come for the veteran minimum? I don't know. Does he come for a little bit more than the veteran minimum? I'm not sure. But I think it'd be interesting for the Lakers to target a big that can space the floor. Um, and Gasol was able to do that a little bit. And we saw that the starting lineup to start the season, the um, the Gasol, AD, LeBron, uh, KCP uh, Schroeder starting lineup was one of the top lineups in the league. And I think part of that is having a big who can legitimately stretch out the defense uh, and open driving lanes for AD, open driving lanes for LeBron and um, and uh, and Dennis Schroeder. Um, yeah, so Edgar, any, any thoughts on, on Kelly Olenek from what you've seen in the past or what you've seen recently for him or the idea of the Lakers targeting a stretch five for their center position? I like that he could shoot threes. But I don't like him as as a center, if that makes sense. He's only 6'11", 240. Yeah. So he's, he's not the biggest guy. He's not going to go out there and get you blocks, get you steals. Um, You know, I think he's a good player, but do I necessarily want him on the Lakers? Not necessarily, you know, not necessarily, no. Um, I take him, sure, why not? But wouldn't go out and chase him you know, too aggressively. Yeah. And you bring up my one concern with him, bro, um, is I think he might be too small to defend fives full time. I don't think he will bring that physicality. He brings more of a finesse game, um, you know, so. And for AD, you know, AD being very outspoken about not wanting to defend fives, not wanting that constant, um, you know, just banging in the paint and the pounding the body takes. I really don't think Olenek could take it either. But, you know, maybe someone could come off the bench, you know, play against bench units where the bigs tend to be smaller. You know, I just, I was really um, intrigued by his stats, honestly. I was I was blown away that he had such numbers, man. It was, uh, it was crazy. But, all right, let's go to my next option. So we talked about Dwight Howard, Kelly Olenek. We don't feel like he could defend fives, um, you know, uh, in a full season, kind of too small. All right, what about a, a, another veteran big man? I'm going to go with Ennis Cantor. Ennis Cantor this season playing with the Portland Trailblazers. He's a free agent coming off a $5 million contract. Um, and he had some monster games for Portland, man. Some games where he just had crazy rebounds, crazy points. Um, you know, his offensive impact is really, really intriguing. His offensive impact is 2.5. That's a 
that's a big time offensive impact when we're looking at the uh, b-ball index uh, data uh, not a lot of centers in that category uh, defensive impact a negative 0.2 so he would definitely be a, a negative in the defensive side of the floor but wins added 5.3 man again Gasol is a 2.5 so his wins added nearly doubled Gasol's so um, he definitely brings value um, to a team and he's only coming off a five million dollar contract I don't know if he's looking to get paid um, if there's really teams who are going to pay him but I think he'd be a good offensive minded big off the bench um, you know, I think they'd have to be careful about how they play his minutes, but I definitely think he's someone who could bang in the paint. I think he's big enough. I think he's physical enough. He's really good on the glass, um, really good finisher, uh, around the rim and would give us a, you know, a different, uh, look at center than we've had the last couple of years. Haven't had many offensive minded centers. So, uh, what are your thoughts on Ennis Cantor, bro, as a possible option at the center position? Again, I... The way I see it is we're not looking for people to score, not from the center position. At least I think that role should be dedicated to someone who is scrapping. He'll get you blocks. He'll get you steals. And Dennis Cantor doesn't do that. So it's a no for me. I think he is going to demand more money than what we can afford to pay him or we would feel comfortable paying him. But again, he doesn't really offer a skill set that we need. And you saw what you saw what happened to Trez. He's an offensive machine, and he got he got benched. He just he didn't fit well. Yeah, I hear you, and that's part of my concern with um, an offensive minded center that can't defend well. That he probably gets played off the court. You know, we saw even Gasol, who is a good offensive center, but also a really good defensive center, put great defensive numbers up during the regular season. He struggled in you know that one series against the Suns. Man, uh, if you're a defensive liability in the playoffs, you will get attacked. We saw the defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, get paid, played off the court, essentially, um, you know, in that second round series against the Clippers. Um, so it's just you definitely need to have a centers who can stay in the game if if you if need be, right? Um, all right, I'm going to throw out two just other quick ones um, that I like. I like uh, Daniel Theis, who was on the Boston Celtics. Um you know, his wins added are 3.9, so higher than Gasol, higher than Drummond. 34% catch and, uh, catch and shoot, three-point shooter, coming off a $5 million contract. Boston traded him to um, Chicago. Chicago has Vucevic, so not too much minutes there for him to get because Vucevic will probably play 34 minutes a game. Um, so he might be looking for a new contract. You know, maybe we can get him on the cheap. Um, I like, you know, defensively, he's a 1.6 on the impact. And again, Drummond's a 2.1, Gasol's a 2.7. So uh, Daniel Thais, I've, I've seen someone who is energetic, scrappy, plays defense, can shoot, sets good screens. Um, did, had, I thought he was great when he was in Boston. So I like him. And I'll throw another one out there. Um, who's someone who I was looking at the buyout market that I thought the Lakers would target before they got Drummond was uh, Gorgie Dang. Um, he got bought out in uh, Memphis and, and went to San Antonio. Uh not too great of an offensive impact. Defensive impact, pretty low. Wins added, only 0.7. So didn't have a great season, but I think it's someone we can get for the vet men. He's coming off a $16 million contract, but he was bought out. So clearly, you know, he's not worth that contract anymore. Um, but he's also a, a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, 36%. So, and a fairly good defender. So there's a couple other names I, I've been looking at, man. Um, I, I really like to see if the Lakers can add some shooting at the center position, 
just so that we have more shooting options. Clearly, shooting is a need, and I think even adding a little bit of shooting from the center position can really help out the offense. Uh, it doesn't have to be an elite shooter, but just someone who can can shoot. Um, and I see you got a name on here that you want to talk about, man. Go ahead and, and take it away. Who, who do you got? All right, so this is a guy that I've been wanting to come to the Lakers for a while now, Nerlens Noel. He, I feel like he, he goes under the radar, man. He is a good, good talent. And to put into perspective, this year he had 1.1 steals, 2.2 blocks. Mm, At, good numbers. Yeah, those are great numbers, especially for the blocks, right? He's going to get you what Dwight Howard can and you know, a little bit more, right? So straight off the top, you know, he's not afraid to contest. He's not afraid to get in people's faces, go for the block. He's not afraid to, you know, defend guys. He gets a lot of steals. Doesn't get you that many points at five. Gets you a good amount of rebounds at 6.4. So overall, I feel like he complements what we need. He's a 70% free throw percentage a shooter at least was last year. He was really bad early in his career, but he improved his uh, free throw shooting. So again, another piece that we could uh, we could use free throw shooting steals blocks. He'll run up and down the floor for you. He's only tw- he's only twenty six. He was paid four million last year, so I think he's the perfect center that we can uh, we can pick up. No, that that's what I was curious about. I was curious about his salary. Um, so that tells me he might be affordable, man. Um, so I'm looking, okay, so around four or five million. So he's definitely affordable. You look at New York, they have um Rich Mitchell Robinson at the center position. Um and I'm pretty sure they'll probably try to uh bring back uh bring back Todd Gibson, maybe on the vet min. So that's two centers. So Nazomel might be on the outside looking in. Um is he a clutch client? I think. I'm pretty sure he's a clutch client. Can't remember. Um, no, he fired Rich Paul. <laughs> so probably he, he fired Rich Paul earlier this year. Uh, so probably, I don't know. I mean, maybe he comes to the Lakers, but probably doesn't want to be around all these uh, clutch clients and whatnot. Um, but looking at his B-ball index data, um, He's a huge negative on offense, and that's just because he's limited. Um, but he's definitely a lob threat, someone who could finish around the rim. Um, but his defensive data is great, man. He's a um, a positive 2.5 on defense. That's right in that Gasol range. Um, so that's great. And then he wins out. He's only a 1.2, so not adding that many that many wins. But, you know, for a vet man, man, that definitely plays. He's for, a lottery for, player, man. Lottery player, he is young. Yeah, yeah, no, he was definitely a former top draft pick. Um, I just, I think he's a, a, I think you know what you're getting in him. And he kind of fits the mold of what you said you want. A scrappy, defensive-minded player who doesn't mind banging in the paint, doesn't mind doing the dirty work, steals, blocks, you know, and then offensively he'll finish at the rim. So, yeah, I think that's a, I, I think that'd be a solid pickup for the vet men, but I'm not paying him much more. I think, and that's my big thing on this center position, man, is whoever it is, Noel, Cantor, Olenek, Dice, Gorgie Dang, um, whoever it is, you know, Drummond, we just can't, we can't spend too much money on it, man, um, because we don't have that much money to spend as it is, and we have to be really strategic. Um, and I think, um, you know, looking at that uh, taxpayer mid-level exception, that 5.8, 
I'm really trying to spend that on some wings or guards. And we'll get into some wings and guards in the upcoming weeks. Um, but yeah, man, any other thoughts on uh, potential Laker bigs and how you want to see them kind of fill out this uh, position this offseason? No, I think we covered most of the top guys unless they go out and get someone via the trade. Um, I, I mean, I, I just, yeah, I mean, these are the top guys. But again, if we can get Nerlens Noel somehow, then, you know, let's go for it. Um, again, does he want to hang out with clutch clients? That's a good question. But outside of that, no, I mean, he, size, that's what matters to me. And he he brings it, uh, and he brings that defensive uh, um, ability, which, you know, you don't get with a lot of uh, centers nowadays. The way I see it is a center precision isn't something that's high in demand. You want someone who can shoot the three, stretch the floor. He doesn't do that. So maybe he'll go under the radar and uh, we'll be able to swipe him up. Yeah, you know, um, the center market's always interesting because I think slowly centers are really kind of getting, um, are becoming that position in basketball where teams are not investing too much in unless you have an elite defensive or an elite offensive center, you know, an Embiid, a Jokic, and even Rudy Gobert, you know, defense, multiple defensive players of the year. So those are the type of centers that are getting paid. So a lot of those, you know, mid-level centers are, can be had for the for the vet men. So, you know, we'll definitely see. I'm definitely curious to see um, how the Lakers go about filling this position. But I think the biggest thing to me, you know, if I'm Rob Palinka, again, this is a position where I try to save money and add players for the veteran minimum. Knowing that, and the reason I, I say that is because we know when it comes to the playoffs, when it matters the most, AD is playing the five. So for me, if I'm the Lakers, any money I'm spending or anyone I'm trading for needs to be someone who can be on the court when it matters the most, right? You look at Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert is making how much? Like 35, 40 million, I don't even know, but he can't even stay on the court. So, you know, that to me is a, is a poor allocation of resources. If you know you're paying someone top dollar, they have to be able to stay on the court. So um, for me, and I think this is why I wasn't the biggest fan of the Drummond signing because I didn't think he would be able to stay on the court in the um, in the playoffs. So you know, I'm, I'm really looking. You know, and we'll get into wings and guards in the upcoming weeks, and I think that's where we have to spend our money. Looking at what free agents can we pay that will be able to stay on the court. And close playoff games, you know, thinking about the fourth quarter, you know, a lot of these game sevens, you're, you know, look at Ben Simmons. He just, you know, just shit the bed in, you know, these fourth quarters in game six and game seven. And I'm a Ben Simmons fan and I'm a Ben Simmons defender, but, you know, he just couldn't, couldn't stay on the court really, um, brought nothing offensively in that really, um, that really hampered Philadelphia, really kind of locked them up as far as what they could do offensively. You look at Rudy Gobert, um, this a big man, but brought nothing offensively to the Jazz. Again, impacted what they could do offensively. And so I'm just, I'm just, I just want to make sure that the Lakers are very strategic with their money and that they're paying players that they know can stay on the court when it matters the most, man. And uh, you're seeing right now in the playoffs that those are players who are not scared to get buckets, um, guys who can shoot, who can pass, and who can, um, who can dribble. A lot of these combo guards, you know, even rookie combo guards like Terrence Mann, um, you know, someone like Reggie Jackson coming on a veteran minimum contract. So a lot of these, you know, a lot of these guards really staying on the court, um, 
because they could just get bucket. So I think that's who we got to target with this money, man. So um, that'll do it for this pod. Uh, like we said, in the upcoming weeks, we'll discuss um, other positions, you know, for the Lakers and free agency. We'll be covering the upcoming Dodgers Cubs series and the Dodgers uh, Giants series in the upcoming weeks. Uh, you know, thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for listening. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at underscore city of champs um, or city of champions. Make sure you follow uh, or go to the website at www.cityofchips.com and make sure you're following us on Spotify or Apple pod. And yeah, we appreciate your guys' support. Peace. <laughs>